Hello and welcome to some Derps Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I'm your co-host, Buddy. And today we're going to talk a little bit about choice in games. But before we do that, Buddy, why don't you tell the folks at home what it is we do on this podcast. Well, it's pretty simple. Uh, we like to talk about games. Uh, yeah, this week we're going to be doing choice, uh, a topic near and dear to my heart, both in video games uh, and in tabletop games. But before we did that, uh, do that, I guess, uh, we have... Weeks of games, and by weeks I mean one week of games. To, to and by games we yeah, mean yeah. World of Warcraft Legions. So you know. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Well, we also have one singular tabletop game, I guess, to go over because we did play Hell's Rebels last week. But what? How, how have you been feeling about WoW Legion? Anything changed since uh, we recorded last week? Um, I feel like I could, like n- nothing's changed. I still think the game's a lot of fun. I still think you know it's 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 holding on my interest for the moment. Um, I could go into some deeper things about say like Suramar or whatever, but I don't know how much of that you've done. I don't want to spoil anything because I I, I, I th- haven't done yeah I haven't done too much with it. Um, but yeah, like have you at least done one of the wither training scenarios? With yes, I have done one of those. I'm okay, hideously bad at those. Yeah. Um, you know I. I think it's a lot of fun. I think it's a really cool mini game, as it were. Um, I think it still has. I, I don't think it's perfect, um, but like, it's on it, as on its own. It's 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 just it's it's really neat. Um, I don't really like having to like hunt around for like half an hour to fill up my ancient mana so I can go with the maximum number of uh, withered every time. But you know, I I can deal with that. I usually end up getting most of it. During the my two two days that I don't get to play, you know, the, it's a three day cooldown, so I end up getting to do it on on the two doing most of the gathering on the two off days, but um, I don't know. I still think it's uh, I, I think it's a really unique thing that they did with it, and I think that's cool. Um, uh, and it's also it's also uh, I, I kind of wish that I could do it more often maybe not for words but just kind of like because it's the kind of thing that i feel is built on iterating your strategy and i feel like three days is a little bit too far apart to really kind of like take your lessons you especially if you oh i screwed up once i can't um uh i i you know now, now i'm done for three days i feel like being able to do it um do like practice runs and then have like you know like it's called withered army training right like have maybe like the practice runs be not real and then have the real one go and be able to right, right. to perfect your strategy. Although that's, that's probably got its own problems, mind you, but I, I, I just, um, I, I kind of wish I could do it. A- you know, I have to say, uh, and this is, and this is something that I think is overall pretty good for the game for wow. Um, I think WoW is a complicated game for a lot of reasons, obviously. Uh, one of the, it, it is one of the few games that allow, that like opens itself to have a vast variety of players interface with it in, uh, you know, a huge variety of ways, right? You, you've got people like me, you've got our peers, uh, hardcore raiders, hardcore PvPers, right? Super casual players, a mix of all of these in between, right? Like, kind of, you know, and, and it's a game that really allows itself, you know, like, I know people, right, uh, who love PvE but hate PvP and vice versa. And and, and so, WoW has... Uh, um, WoW has a weird issue, I think, that Legion is hitting on better than most 
better in most ways. Where I don't think that it is that rewarding as a captivating um, kind of solo single-player experience. When World of Warcraft single-player is at its best, I think it's a little bit like... Well, Destiny is a weird example. Also, it's kind of so is like Diablo. Um, like, I think WoW gets bad when it gets grindy is, is kind of the point that I'm getting at. I think I think the, the version of WoW where you're a single person playing and then maybe on the weekend, right, you like pug into a raid and that feels gratifying kind of thing. The investment that you want to get out of your World of Warcraft on like a daily basis is maybe like 30 or 45 minutes, right? Like I log in, do a couple of the world quests that interest me, and then I kind of log out, right? Um... And I think that this works in general uh, in Legion, and it didn't quite work in the same way in other expansions. Uh, Mists of Pandaria being the one that like really jumps to mind because you know Mists of Pandaria there was no there was no daily cap, um, and it was a it was a uh, a version of WoW where you could just hardcore grind out those dailies, and I think that's what creates burnout in players, right? Uh, but when you can kind of create this weird balance of like you know I'm I'm um, I'm captivated to spend a good amount of time on the game, but not all of my time on the game. That's where it, it really hits its sweet spot, right? Uh, unless, you know, you're sitting in kind of like super hardcore raider, super hardcore PvP or kind of territory, where I think those things are very... You know, like, look, if you want to sit there and grind dungeons all day, yeah, I think that, you know, that, that, that will work if you're, a, you know, a, like a mega... Uh, a mega raider or whatever but it's kind of not efficient or effective for most other players in that way anyway uh and to to the, the reason i brought this up for the withered training thing is i think the two-day cooldown is is so that the withered training thing doesn't become something that like i go out i grind 2000 ancient mana or whatever and then i turn it in and then i go back and i do it again in order for this like iteration to be uh kind of like one way or the other if that makes sense yeah no, no, I, I, I definitely get that. I, I just think you're, you're getting a thing where, like, kind of, like, that aspect, which, which I do agree is a positive aspect, is kind of butting up against the kind of, you know, experiment, like, the experimentation aspect of games that, that, that requires a lot of iteration. And, yeah, we've probably, you know, we've got, we've got you know, a couple years of this expansion left to perfect our, our Withered Army training uh, scenarios, but, like, it, it's it's... It's it's like, it's like you know, it, because it's so fun. It's like, you know, oh, I get to do the fun thing, once every three days, um, in 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 kind of like that that very negative way, if that makes yeah. sense. I mean, to be honest, I'll probably we'll probably have to uh, uh, figure out. I'm exceedingly bad at these. I have done two so far. The very first one, I didn't know how to get down into Falconar or whatever it's called, like Falinar. Um, and so I did what you do during the quest chain that unlocks it, and I jumped into, like, the water or whatever. But the, the the my wither didn't follow me. They just ran, you know, they just, like, ran some land route to get me there, and they trained all of the mobs, like, to my location. So I killed three mobs before getting just, like, absolutely overwhelmed and dying. What? And Why I had a score you... of nine. Why didn't you, like... <laughs> walk in the door in front of like it's like right in front of you isn't it what like where you're like you just walk straight in and fight like and it's the first room oh you turned what? around and walked off the edge why wait what well, you, like, no way oh my god that makes so much sense oh i'm retarded oh my <laughs> god 
I'm so stupid. Fuck. The second time I actually did find like a land room because so there's all these spider webs, but the spider web is actually it's like actual terrain, and so you go down. Yeah. Um. And uh. And I was doing the spider webs, but then I also <laughs> during that I also fell off. <laughs> and so my wither trained all the mobs. That time I got like. 21 points yeah right? like you're maybe to... you know maybe if that right? I, don't, I don't know how you do that like you're supposed to like... oh my god wow i don't know how i fucked that up so hard yeah i, I that's why you because you skipped like the you attempted to skip the first half of the, the fucking dungeon <laughs> <laughs> that is so mm. Oh. <laughs> oh my god that's man that is, i can't even <laughs> i'm so i'm so like simultaneously like ashamed and embarrassed right like <laughs> i almost want to just like cut this part because i don't want any i don't want it out there i don't want anyone to know that i'm that stupid <laughs> Okay, well, well, you know, <laughs> we can talk about the Withered Army training scenario next time, I guess. I, yeah, I'm sure we can. Um, we also played. <laughs> we also played. <clears throat> we also played House Rebels. I said, very. Seriously. Did we? Did we? Since the last episode. Wait, did we do the last episode? Oh sh. We recorded the not? last episode on like Thursday, I think. Wait, do After... I get to talk about you guys resurrecting Tonric? I believe so, Fuck. yeah. Damn, all right. I, uh, earlier today, I was talking with, uh, you know, so... If you've got Enoch, more thoughts, feel free. I know, I, I, I mean, this is this is less thought and more masturbation. Uh, Enoch, uh, Enoch and Warren and I are in another chat with... Um, uh, some other people because we watched the like the DC Comics TV shows like Arrow and The Flash, um, but every once in a while it will just like become a chat where we talk about something else. And so today it came up, you know. So we were just kind of talking or like referencing um, the um, uh, the the resurrection of Tonric or whatever. And I kind of went into this whole spiel where I just like explained all of like. All of everything that went into that went into that—it's a very important moment for me in the campaign, right? I've been thinking about this one for a long time, and so uh, and so they all thought it was hilarious because you know, so obviously, right? Like the religious symbolism is super obvious, right? You know, he gets resurrected in this cave, and the first thing he does is go out, you know, and. Uh, effectively baptize himself as he's born again, right? He's literally there in the name, right. by the way, honor born, right? Um, but I was talking about how um, the reason I gave Tonric, <laughs> the reason I gave Tonric linen pants, this is a real thing, is because linen was like the most used, it's like the fabric of like ancient Egypt, right? Like everybody in ancient Egypt wore linen. And so in my mind, that's kind of like a little like, like super, super like, thin thread kind of like it's like a little bit of a moses thing going on you know what i mean um on top of all of this jesus symbolism right i just had to i just had to sack it and they all thought that that was hilarious because it's stupid i guess but uh yeah it, so i was just it was on my mind and i was like oh, i can't wait to talk about this on the cast they'll appreciate my my metaphors yeah i uh, this is one of those moments where I wish that we had cameras for this, so I could just look at it, look into the camera, and be like, <laughs> "Really?" <laughs> I know it's one of those things. You know, it's one of those things that like only I think about or care about. 
Um, there's a lot of you. Know, there's a lot of stuff in, that goes into Hell's Rebels that just is like to kind of satisfy my own kind of like weirdly clockwork mind about stuff like this. Like I don't think you guys quite have heard the story, and I very much recommend trying to figure it out because the behind the scenes of what happened with uh, like like the specific maneuvers from Barzilith Rune and from Tonric actually explained a lot and there's like there's a logic to all of that stuff that to me you know it's important to me because I need to keep these character motivations and how everything kind of like fell down in my head right but I don't think that you guys see that stuff as much um, for a variety of reasons most notably I don't think you know, that that stuff is like action negative right uh, it doesn't move the plot forward it just explains plot that's already happened um, but you know like there's a lot of that stuff that happens behind the scenes that kind of explains the mechanics of like well how did they you know do this right kind of thing um, I'm just imagining you sitting at your desk in between sessions with like one action figure of Tonric and one of Bar's Life Throne. It's like making voices, like, ooh, and you're the dog, you're the Like slamming them into each other. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, you know, that's that's relatively fair. Yeah, we also didn't, we didn't play, uh, we did not play um, Rune Lords this week either. So, wow, we just really don't have anything to talk about. Fuck. Um, unless we've got. Anything more to talk about? Wow. Um. You know, I do... I want to... Uh, um, uh, something I wanted to just ask in, like, a general news okay. question. Uh, it was announced that, uh, you know... So, this was announced a long time ago that Nintendo was going to be moving into mobile games. Obviously, Pokemon Go, right? Uh, now that they, they've announced this Mario Endless Runner... Um, uh, do you have... Thoughts, feelings, questions, concerns. How how do you how do you they announced you about it that stuff for Apple devices? Um. Also, like the reports are like like Shigeru Miyamoto the entire time looked very unimpressed, which I think is hilarious because I think Miyam I think Miyamoto is like one of those types of diehard people that's like like what what is this? This isn't this isn't this isn't what I understand to be video games. This is some business thing um but like it's supposed so i have heard that it is going to be a pay-to-play mobile game and in my experience those games are usually pretty good definitely much better than free-to-play games um i also don't think that like a an uh, a mario endless runner will really tarnish his reputation um there have been there have been Mario spin-offs before, like Typing and like Time Machine, and a bunch of other things that are, um, you know, aren't aren't the mainline experience. And I don't think I'm not worried about it, like from like a you know like this is the end for Nintendo type of uh, perspective. Um, I'm you know mildly sad because I'm probably not going to play it if it's iOS exclusive. Maybe I'll get it. Uh, I have an iPad from. Uh, that I got as a gift, so maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll get it on that. But it's not super like mobile games don't excite me really. Um, it's, you know, you, you like the best ones I've played have been good, but they're not like stunning. Um, it, I, right. I've, I've never played a, I've never played a mobile game that made me say, "Wow, this platform is the future of gaming." Type of type of thing, and not, not to say that you can't get good experiences on mobile, and that that's not a possibility in the future. I just I don't think, I think less than the form factor that is the ecosystem, like, 
these games are designed to either like all mobile games are designed to be like free to play with microtransactions or they're designed to be like three or four dollars at most and i don't think with that style of game that you can that you can afford to make the deep and rich type of experience that like really you know f- floats a hardcore gamer's boat um, yeah, you know, and I, I honestly kind of wonder um, at what point uh, there these kind of uh, like diminishing diminishing returns fall back because I think you know there there's a lot of variance um, I think between you know okay if I were to talk about variance in something else right you know like the you know the very best of television right compared to kind of like the very worst of television that that is those two things resemble each other so much more than you know like super hardcore time investment games right versus like mobile games do and that, and that's something that I haven't quite wrapped my head around kind of conceptually like maybe you know maybe a better corollary is kind of between right like you know a professionally produced television show and like an amateur kind of like web series kind of thing right where you know or, or like you know like a just a kind of like a random youtuber who's putting out vlogging content see i, I, uh, I don't that, think that kind that's of thing um i don't think that's very fair either i think i think it would have to be something like like a professionally produced tv series versus like a professionally produced youtube red series maybe yeah, or like that's or exactly, like a prof- yeah. or like a professional like somebody who does like vines like semi professionally with like ads and whatnot like something that's got like that production quality cuz a lot of these games do have the the production yeah. quality but it's 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 not depth it's all kind of like sheen and like and and like, I, and, I and, and you know and i think it's interesting because the way in which we are built to interface with these games uh, is so radically different, right? You know, so I, 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 the, you know, the the Deus Ex Mankind Divided, right? Demand as much of your attention as you're possibly willing to give it, right? This, this isn't a pick up and play game. This isn't a game that you can ride like a bicycle, right? You have to reacclimate yourself almost every time that you pick it up, um, to a certain extent, and um, you know. On the opposite end of the spectrum, a lot of these kind of, uh, you know, barring some of the kind of, like, it's also a mobile game things like Hearthstone or whatever, uh, you know, a lot of these mobile games are the barest of bones because they need to be so, you know, they're, you know, they're shitting games, right? <laughs> like, you know, you're, you're, you play them for four minutes at a time and you have literally nothing better to occupy your time with kind of things. And I just don't know that there's a... There's a I, I don't I cannot imagine or think of a corollary kind of in another space to help me wrap my mind around you know how those kinds of things work because I have a hard time saying that a mobile game like you know Temple Run right is uh, is so you know definitively worse than uh, than Dragon Age or whatever, right? Than, than Mankind Divided kind of thing. But, you know, my gut check is that that is definitively the case. Um, so, I, you know, I I don't know. I have a tough time. I have a tough time kind of, like, thinking around these kinds of things. Yeah. Um, I, I definitely agree. Like, I this is, like you said, I think the, 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 principal, the principal problem is that you can't like it's not that you can't have a deep and engaging mobile experience is that that's not what the market wants um the market wants these highly iterable uh fun to play things even in the pay-to-play market um like uh 
like honestly, I like the the, the deepest or the the game that attempted to be the deepest. I think was a uh, Monument Valley. Um, that game was like three or four dollars, I think. Um, and it's like eight levels long, and they're it it was pretty, but it was really simple, and I didn't feel like it was particularly good game. Um, but it attempted to tell a story. If it, it's like in, in you know. If, like, your typical, in like, your indie game, like, inside is, like, 20 hours, or not 20 hours, like, four hours, rather, um, and that's, like, short on a scale, but okay because of the experience, like, try and minify that to, like, 45 minutes for Monument Valley, and it's kind of, like, that's just, that's the point where it's, like, it's too short to really kind of soak in as, like, an emotional experience for, for me, um, you know, I actually kind of have to almost, like, disagree. Well, okay, so I, I I mean, I like Monument Valley a lot. Monument Valley is the best mobile game I've ever played. Um, but I think Monument Valley also kind of exists in a... Um, uh, so I feel this way about certain other... There's a couple other games like this. You know, like, Journey is a little bit of this way. Flower, uh, I think is what it's called. It's by the same studio. Uh, is a little bit this way. Where these things aren't meant to kind of be moving in a, you know... Um, like a philosophical or like thoughtful sense, but are really just about kind of like putting you in a, in a mind, you know, putting you kind of like in a headspace, right. And like getting you engaged in kind of just like, it's a very surface level thing, but I actually do think it's fairly worthwhile um, in comparison to kind of other versions of how this kind of thing well, see, plays out. See, I, I think I, I like, I like journey a lot. I don't think monument Valley is at journey level. I think Monument Valley is not, that engaging and i don't think the story is that good and the puzzles are very simple right like the best mobile game i've ever played is is still ridiculous fishing and ridiculous fishing kind of has some of like the 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 we like the story is it's goofier than like any of the above but it's like it's got some and it's goofy but it still has to kind of like it <coughs> excuse me iterable play playableness um and like challenge of like a a harder mobile game um because it, it, at its core, the 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 kind of game loop is is you cast your bait and you try and catch um, a bunch of different fish, um, and like that is repeatable. But then, kind of like the milestones you hit by hitting like like uh, hitting like thresholds of goodness at at that mini game kind of advance the story. I think that was much more effective than Monument Valley, which is like spin three things, watch her walk. Well, I don't, you know, I just so mechanic I, for a level. Yeah, but my point is, I don't think the story, uh, you know, I, I, yeah, Monument Valley has one, kind of, right? Um, but I think the thing that works on Monument Valley's level is the, is just like the overall, like, aesthetic. And if you can get into it, kind of like, it, it, it is a surface level thing, right? It's an image kind of thing, sure. right? But it's one of those things where it's like, um, you know, this is why. I listen to a, uh, yeah, a, a variety of music, right? On one hand, I like musicals. On another, I like metal music, right? Um, but the reason that I like, you know, kind of down-tempo electronic music isn't because I think the music is, like, good in in a technical sense, right? I don't I don't think it is. I think, in fact, the opposite. I think it's incredibly simple. But that's kind of the point, right? It's It, it gets me in, it gets me in a certain mindset, and I really appreciate that about it. And I think Monument Valley is the same kind of thing. Um, 
And that also comes out in some of these other kind of indie games that I think are more about uh, kind of the aesthetic than being... Um, uh, in fact, this is a little bit of what is weird about Inside. In fact, I kind of think that if Inside had kind of skewed its story a little bit more almost... And Inside was in a weird place where it was working on me on this aesthetic level. I was definitely into it on this aesthetic level. But this story stuff just kind It kept raising these questions that the kind of logical right you know like my 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 brain was latching on to too much to allow me to just kind of like soak in this bathtub of aesthetics um whereas something like monument valley you know it has a story or whatever but really that's just kind of uh uh like that, that you know, that's not that's not the point and that doesn't demand much of me so it's one of those things where i can just kind of like see, lean I, back and take it in uh, uh, to that to that extent. see i don't feel like i could soak in anything in monument valley because it was over so quick like I, i'd agree with you if it wasn't what like eight levels long or however long it is like and like i don't like it was m maybe it's i don't know like the, like the, the aesthetic is neat but i don't think it, it hasn't been like it, it's weird to say it sounds like i have played kind of like like, the game it reminds me the most of is there's, like, a... I can't remember the name of the... Uh, like, the specific game. But there's, like, a mini golf game that you play on, like, a weird cube that kind of has, like, the same type of sensibilities and kind of, like, you know, uh, aesthetic kind of... Like, it's not the exact same aesthetics, but, like, the same kind of, like, m mindset, I guess, that you get out of it. I, and that was a free Flash game out in 2008. I thought that that did a better job than Monument Valley because 18 holes lasted longer than, you know, than... uh you know, eight, 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 I guess maybe the thing that bothered me more was that, like, I'm, I'm looking for, like, even a mild amount of challenge, and that really wasn't there in, 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 uh, in Monument Valley for me, like, it was, it was just way too, way too easy, um, yeah, I mean, well, you know, to be honest, I don't really think there was all that much challenge to it either. It was a little bit. I found myself kind of doing that thing, and I do this in puzzle games uh, in other kinds of scenarios, where it's like, I figure out the puzzle and I go, oh, that was, you know, that was clever, right? And it wasn't hard to figure out the puzzle, but it was, you know, it was just like a little bit of lateral thinking that it makes you do, uh, and I can appreciate that even if it's not all that difficult. Does that make sense? I don't know. No, no, no. So, so you make you're, you're absolutely making sense to me. I just didn't get that from Monument Valley. I never looked at it and thought, well, that was clever. I looked at it and I thought, well, that was obvious. Um, but I do get what you're saying. Like, I've definitely had that experience before with... with well, with, yeah, I mean, it, it's not that... It, I, I don't mean it in the sense of... Because, like, sometimes this happens, right? Um, in, in like, hardcore uh, or even pretty good. You know, like, Portal is a lot of this way, I think... Um, where it is hard, and then I figure it out by thinking laterally, and I go, ah, that was clever, right, kind of thing. And this wasn't really that. It was obvious, right? But I also kind of appreciated that even in even in how obvious it was, I kind of appreciated what it was, you know, like what it was doing. I, I, I don't really know how to explain it better than that. It was both obvious, but I also thought that it was clever. Yeah, I, 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 I guess I, I guess I see what you're saying. Um, obviously it didn't work for me, but you know, yeah, it worked I for mean, you. you know, Hey man, I'm not yeah. going to, uh, I, I get that. I also, I think this is like, and we've talked about this a little bit before. I also think that this is like an endemic problem to puzzle games in general. Um, because, you know, tuning for that kind of difficulty is just, 
you know. Yeah, you. It, it's, it's just so. It's so hard. It's all like, for, especially for like these are all. This is a set piece puzzle game, right? It's not like. Yeah. It's not yeah, like I mean, a. Yeah. Uh, it's not like a say like even like a Candy Crush or like a Bejeweled where you can like where it's kind of like generic puzzles that kind of get formed on the fly. Um, it's since they're set piece puzzles, you can't really put a slider on that, right? Like you like. Well, how do you, how do you like make a hard version of Monument valid? You just like add like more weird towers and gears and like yeah. Does and that I also think things? that you know like the, the the more that you do that kind of thing, right? You really start to lose because you know the more you add those mechanics and the more you get people thinking, you know, in in those kinds of like hardcore terms i think you really do kind of like lose something to the simplicity that the game really needs um if that makes sense i don't know if i agree entirely but i see i see what you're getting at and you think you'll lose at least a lot of people especially um not not to be derogatory but the people that a mobile game is typically targeting right like if you were to tell me that the, the goal of this game was to like you give it to like you you give it to somebody who's relatively new to this stuff and tell them to go have fun with this toy for 40 like like uh it's, it's almost like a like one of those wood block brain puzzles right like you, <laughs> yeah you sit down you play with it for a while and maybe you don't pick it up again um but you know or maybe you pick it up again like once every you know couple of weeks and you're like oh it's sitting on the table and i'll, I'll just kind of like absolutely pass the time with this but like if you know if you're a hardcore puzzle man that you know Oh, this puzzle's bullshit, and you like throw it on the ground, like it's defeated. Where's the next one? Um, like that, that it's not going to give you that that experience. Um, and if you want that experience, you're going to lose the 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 the, the type of person that it, that it's supposed to appeal to in the in the first place. Um. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, I think we've beaten uh, beaten this to death, uh, and we still have other shit to talk about. We do, and one thing I will say is that in Monument Valley, you don't have any real choices to make. Um, <laughs> and when, when I talk about choices, I don't mean like, you know, what, you know, which lever am I going to turn or in, in to, to bring it back to WoW, like what class and what spec I'm going to play. I'm talking about like choices inside the story, right? Like, um, uh, you, you know, like what am I going to be essentially Paragon or Renegade in Mass Effect? Um, and the reason I thought about this is because um, something that I don't want to say bothers me, but always kind of takes me out of WoW a little, which, WoW a little bit, which is a, a game that is okay to get out of because it's ultimately not about a total immersion. Is that like every time my character, like every time I see like, you know, um, so the, so the thing that really got me thinking about this is I did, there's a quest line in Stormheim where you get swindled by some goblins. And, like, they make it very obvious that they're swindling you, right? Like, they, they you know, uh, when you walk over, they're like, oh, what should we do about shh, shh, shh. And, you know, it's, it's very clear that, like, they're, they're giving you, like, the, it's all bullshit. Um, and, uh, and so when they, they, uh. And, and, and my, my thought was, like, I have no choice but to be the patsy in their scheme, right? I can't, like, choose to, like, what did you do to the, you know, what, what did you do to the original people thing? Like, why are you stealing their things? Or the, the option is always, like, oh, yeah, I'll go collect some things for you, people who are definitely representing these people and totally not, you know, swindling them. And um, it doesn't, like I said, it doesn't bother me so much as, as it is kind of, like, 
made me think like you know if, if this was in say a mass effect or it was in a uh like a like a uh why can't i remember the name of the the skyrim skyrim if this was in a skyrim that would really bother me that like i'm kind of shoehorned into um into these directories i think in fact this is kind of like the core of your complaint about fallout 4 that the the the, the choices aren't really so, uh, so much. Um, and, uh, you know, and I, I was just thinking about, like, why is it okay that I'm not okay, that I'm, or why am I okay with this in World of Warcraft, but I'm not okay with it in other games, and what makes a good choice system should you have one? Um, and any, any surface thoughts that, that you have on that? What makes a good choice system? Yeah, that's gonna sound terrible. The cast me like blowing into the mic like that. Well, um, so uh, I, you know, I think that there's a couple of different approaches. Uh, we talked about this a little bit in the context of the Undertale once, um, where the um, you know, so I think so I think Undertale gets better slash worse in conjunction kind of with uh you know how, how how kind of prepared you are for the choices i think the mist like one of the core missteps i made when approaching that game right is i knew there was a pacifist version and i was gunning for a pacifist run right off the bat right um and i think that kind of set of choices can lead you down to some problem areas um for instance if i had done that same thing with mass effect i think i wouldn't like that game as much as i do right now, you know the first time i play that game right where all of those choices are new and i don't know kind of passively what the consequences are um i really can get into why and how those choices get made right and i can make those decisions based on what i think of um you know, in, in a couple of different ways, right? Um, and then and then I think, you know, but like Mass Effect also has, you know, mechanic pieces added onto this. So when I go back and I replay that game for like the 8,000th fucking time, right, I can just kind of make the quote-unquote right choices um, without too much trouble. Um, and, uh, and that doesn't take away from it. But if I'm approaching Mass Effect today because someone told me that you know whatever and i go and i look up a guide to see what is the best mechanical kind of playthrough through mass effect i don't know necessarily know that this thing kind of exists but just kind of like bear with me um that would ruin kind of the point i think that would kind of make it make the point of mass effect uh uh a little bit uh like the choices in mass effect a little bit moot um as it were um see i'm actually i'm, I'm actually gonna Say for for Mass Effect in particular, um, I think that uh, this Mass Effect, not Mass Effect in particular, but Mass Effect in games like it that kind of have this mechanical element of kind of like an aggregated morality system. It's Paragon Renegade in Mass Effect. It's um, it's I think it's just straight good and evil in like Fallout Three. Um, that that those kinds of things. I think that th those are actually not great in terms of choices, because I think it's, it's so barefaced about what the quote unquote right decisions are, right? Like mass effect, you, you, there is little to no benefit from being like, like half and half renegade paragon, right? You're kind of like very, very openly forced to be either, you know, the best dude on the planet or, or a guy who kicks puppy dogs and literally grows scars on his face. Um, and, I think that that kind of 
negatively affects the, 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 the choices that you make because even in situations where, you know, you might be a little bit more rounded, it's very obvious that, like, the way you unlock certain interactions is by being a, a good enough saint or by being a, a shitty enough devil. Um, and, like, I, I remember, like, like the, the thing that sticks out at me is the first time I played through Mass Effect 2, I had, for, for whatever combination of reasons, I had not been Paragon enough to get one of the peaceful resolutions to one of the character stories. I believe it was... Um, uh, the 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 Justicar's uh, daughter, um, that storyline. I remember I, I couldn't choose the Paragon option, even though I had tried my best to be the goodiest two-shoes all game. And it kind of felt really bad. And I didn't, I don't know, I, I thought that that felt kind of hollow ultimately because there's also not a lot, like, like doing things like that is an attempt to kind of make all of your choices matter for all of the other choices. And it kind of, uh, genericizes them, whereas um, a game I think does it better is is a game like The Witcher, where there's no genericized system, where uh, each choice you make might has like specific consequences down the line, um, but doesn't have greater overarching consequences. And while that might not feel as global, I think because you can see the 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 kind of reactions in those individual choices that you make, I think it feels better if that makes sense. I, uh, I, so I think mass effect is a bit of a, uh, so I, you know, okay. First off, uh, I think that approaching it from a perspective, um, of, you know, uh, like, I, I think, I think, <clears throat> Okay, uh, I think that approaching it from, from a perspective of, like, Paragon is good, the other one is evil, is a little bit off in the first place. Um, where, uh, you know, because I think Renegade, and this bears out in the game to a certain extent, where, like, Renegade makes sense to a certain extent. Um, and it is the right choice uh, to a certain extent. And getting into that, and that's a weird kind of space to be in offhand, but, like, um, because, because of certain things, but I also think that, you know, like it's a misnomer to, to a lot of mass effects that, you know, there is like, there is the renegade way and that's the right way. And then there's the, or and that's, you know, wrong, right? That's not evil. It's just kind of a different path. Um, that's, that is more, I think, you know, like nuanced, um, to the same, to the same goal, right? When you play, when you play Renegade, you don't start working for the fucking Reapers, right? But you don't think, you you know, you, you're playing a Shepherd who doesn't have the time to waste um, and doesn't believe that, you know, you can sacrifice on the altar of, you know, selfless, you know, super selfless kind of morality um, in, in the face, in the face of that, like, ultimate evil. And I get that. That makes, that, you know, that makes sense to me. Um, whereas, you know, in Fallout 3, the good and evil system, it's like, oh, do you blow up Megaton for entirely selfish reasons? Like, that, yeah, that is quantifiably, you know, evil, right? Um, but killing Rex because he wants to turn, because he wants to turn on you because of Saren, right? That's a choice that you can justify, uh, that you can justify to be a lot easier. Um, but I also think for Mass Effect, it's, you know, it's also a personal thing, right? Like, I think these choices are about molding the shepherd that you want to play in a lot of the situation. Um, 
And uh, I agree that you know the the like the mechanizing of Paragon and Renegade can really fuck with that, uh, especially that like Morinth thing or whatever. Uh, but I also think that there's something to be said for like being unable to make those kinds of choices sometimes, um, and not quote unquote earning the ability to uh, like earning the ability to do that. Um, in, in just in like in like a super like you know like in a super macro sense right i think that in some you know the, in in some ways it is also an important thing especially in these like games about choices where your choices do taper off and they narrow down and you just don't have any other option well, uh, uh, sorry can, can you explain that I, I don't quite follow what you mean by that last point so okay uh you know i'm just i'll just hit this you know nail on the head uh, a lot of a lot of gets a lot of shit gets made out of the ending to mass effect 3 right because you have all of these huge choices 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 right and this uh, you know this narrative just like it, it's like a you know it fractals out into all of these different places but at the ending of mass effect 3 they all of those get you know tapered down into kind of like one you know like final slot and one final choice or whatever um and i think that the ending to mass effect 3 could be better right um i still love mass effect 3 i think if the ending of mass effect 3 were better it would be better than mass effect 2 for instance um but you know at the end of the day right uh i i i kind of get how um I kind of get how people can be frustrated with that problem. Um, but I also think that, you know, look, the, the, there is something to be said for, you know, the game of Mass Effect, which tapers out and and has a million different, you know, it just goes if it just goes off and it, and it breaks and all of these different, you know, points where you can choose one way or the other, create all these quote-unquote, like, alternate timelines or whatever. Um, I think that there's something to be said for restricting the player's choice and saying, you know what, the things are this dire that you don't have a choice, right? You know, like, that it does come down to one of three options and that is meant to be bittersweet. It is not, you know, it doesn't feel good. Right, it doesn't feel good that all of the you know all of the hard work that you put into this just barely gets you you know the ability to like you know like scrape a win out of you know just I I think that creates the kind of tension that made that ending more or less ultimately work for me even if even if it's like an imperfect kind of clunky work uh, whereas for other people they found that a huge betrayal of kind of what mass effect is all about right because they wanted to you know save the, you know save the galaxy and get the fa and get the fallout 3 kind of montage where it shows you back all of your choices and then explains how those choices affected affected people um, which I, you know, I get that, but I also don't necessarily think it's like super, I, I, I don't think that it is necessary, uh, if that makes sense. Okay. I, I see what you're saying. And I, I do, do definitely feel what, what, what you're getting at. I, I, I do, I do understand this, like the, um, essentially the necessity kind of, especially for just for even like, kind of like bare bones kind of economic reasons the need to kind of limit choice um in, in certain situations um but i also like i haven't played them at the ending of mass effect 3 so i i can't really comment specifically on on how that plays out but um 
I, I so I think kind of more more grandly, kind of like the the problem with Mass Effect was that was kind of sold as as like the one of the main draws of the game is that like your choices matter and that it will all all me, be meaningful in the end. Um, and there are games that have done like ludicrous amounts of of choices, um, and that have like you know kind of hit that uh, hit, hit those beats, um, and and had like you know a dozen endings and you know as as short and as unver and as kind of like nearly the same as they are, um, you can get into like uh, you can get into these degrees that that feel better or worse. Um, but I think to, to kind of go back to, to my other example, um, I think kind of like one of the successes of something like The Witcher is that if your choices are relatively self-contained, like they affect things down the line, but not everything, right? Like, you know, if you take it from a purely logical standpoint, right? Like there's no real reason why, you know, the shepherd being a good guy for the first uh, you know, consistently should have any bearing on the way that a lot of things play out, right? It's not like, you know, maybe, like, there's some reputation aspects, I guess, and there's some, like, you know, like, well, if he's experienced doing it this way, maybe he'll have an easier time doing it this way in the end. But that's, I think, all ultimately minor. It's not like the Reapers are going to look at him and be like, he's been a good boy. Let's pat him on the head and just leave, right? Like, it's, it's... I don't know, I, I, think, I think it's, uh... It's a kind of difficult thing to like to 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 deal with in a lot of ways. Um, I don't know. I mean, you know, I I agree. I the thing that works for me about it about um, the thing that works for me about Mass Effect is these choices are built on you know super solid character work. <clears throat> the choices in Fallout Three hit me right. Um, or the choices in Skyrim is a better is a better way because I love that game so much. Uh, the choices in Skyrim hit me because that setting works right. Um, the choices in in uh, in Mass Effect hit me because the characters work, and so and so that's why I'm very forgiving in a lot of these instances when it comes to stuff that happens. Um, in Mass Effect, because I think those characters are just like you know so well written um, and and solid, right? That it kind of everything else just kind of like falls away to a certain extent. Um, with with Skyrim, kind of on the contrary, right? The ability for me to choose what quests I focus on and what quests I don't, you know, like from a character perspective. My character probably makes more sense if he just hunts down Alduin from the very fucking beginning, right? You know, that in in a in a you know, in a kind of beat for beat movie version retelling of my playthrough for Skyrim, there is a lot of illogical choices going on uh from like that character perspective because, you know, I uh you know, I see a flower off the side of the road and then I go pick it and that leads me to a giant camp which gives me a, you know, like that kind of thing doesn't really that that doesn't make for a good character, that doesn't make for a good story. Um but those are things those are choices that are only available to you when the world is kind of deep and immersive enough that you can get lost in that kind of thing. And so that's what, you know, and so I, you know, I can say that choice in Skyrim is good from that perspective, right? Um, and they do a good thing by leaving it so, you know, open-ended on what you do and don't want to focus on. And it's not like fucking, you know, Parthenax judges you because, 
you decided to end the civil war in Skyrim rather than uh, uh, chase down Alduin and kill him, right? If that makes sense. Yeah, um, um, I, I think that that kind of also... Again, again, I'm, I'm going to go back to this kind of theme of, like, self-contained choices, but, like, Skyrim doesn't have, like, an overall morality system, and I think more so than The Witcher 3, even, that the choices are really, really self-contained. Like, the things you do have immediate and often very visible consequences and not a ton more beyond that, and that, I think, lets the choices feel satisfying and solid and not without having to worry about, like, kind of, like, Will this affect my my, my cosmic uh, standing? Um, and and I, I I think those like those choices, even if they're very small, can still feel very good and feel like your like that your choices matter without kind of falling in, in into the trap that I think Mass Effect did with uh with, with the like you know promise like because you know how are you going to judge uh, how. I hear a lot... So, sorry, to collect my thoughts for a second. I hear a lot of bitching about the end of Mass Effect 3, but how are you how are you ever going to resolve that in a way that really made all of your choices matter? Like, 70 bajillion endings for, for every possible combination of choices? Like, is is 12 enough? Is 15 enough? Is, is 100 enough? Is 4 enough? I don't know. I, I feel like that... I, I, I mean, I, first of all, I'm very sympathetic to that mindset i definitely think that people who get kind of bent out of the shape about kind of like the ending that they deserve and all of their choice like look okay just because okay the the, what this is what bugs me about that argument fundamentally just because the game doesn't regurgitate your choices back to you and tell you good job or you know whatever you know like whatever it is doesn't mean that your choices didn't matter, right? I think this is just people interfacing with the game poorly, to be completely fucking honest, right? Like, if you're if you're interfacing with the game right, if you are, um, and you know, I man, that's like the worst wording I have ever. It's like the most kind of condescending thing I've ever said. Um, but like, if you're interfacing with the game right, all of your choices matter as soon as you fucking make them because you're invested in these characters and you care about you know what happens to them, right? And and that to me. It doesn't matter if I if the Reapers or if the ending gives me a montage or whatever. My choices matter because I made that choice in the moment and it felt good. Or I made that choice in the moment and I was heartbroken. Or I made that choice in the moment and it was, you know, and I... And I, I and those, the, these, these things all matter, right? That emotional reaction you get when you interface with the story well and these characters well and these choices affect that, that matters, right? And just because they're, you know, ah, God, ugh, I hate that so much. Um, because I think it is like so missing the forest for the trees, right? Like, oh God, it kills me. <laughs> All right, can, can I ask you something just just for sure. for my own clarity? So you've played Human Revolution, right? Mm-hmm. I have heard that the Mass Effect three ending choice is similar to the Human Revolution ending choices. Is that accurate? Yeah. Okay. By the way, spoilers. I guess at this point, <laughs> well, these games are years old. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it is to a certain extent. I also, by the way, um, Human Revolution is a bit of a different beast. Um. In uh, for you know for Mass Effect, I think it's a lot about character. Um, for uh, uh, for something like Skyrim, I think it's a lot about setting. For 
uh, human revolution, it is all about ethos, you know, uh, and it's all about kind of like the philosophy underlying the game and what, you know, the game makes a couple of different arguments to you. And that ending is just kind of about you choosing which of those arguments you think is the soundest. Um, I think, uh, do you, does that, does that work for you? Does that not work for you? Uh, let, let, let me ex explain. Just cut, you know. Okay. Spo sure, sure. Spo I, spoiler sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. You're no, right. no, it's fine. Uh, spo spoilers for people who haven't played Human Revolution, but the end of the game is essentially, it's literally a decision machine. You walk up to a machine and it says, you can hit one of three buttons and one of three things will happen and it will determine how kind of like the outcome of this event that you've just kind of been through is received. Um, and then there's also the fourth option where you can go and like burn everything down and hide everything, um, and that's and that's cool too, right? Like, it, it's literally a like you know game end decision machine, um, which is very cold and very blunt. Um, and I don't have like you know it can get it gets mocked a lot, but it doesn't get a lot of the same hate that Mass Effect does, or at least the level of it. Um, and I think that's because Deus Ex isn't a game about choice fundamentally like your choice is whether you do um stealth or uh stealth and non-lethal or lethal and uh, lethal so, sorry a combination of stealth uh hot lethal and non-lethal like the theoretically there's one of every there, there's a combination every there although i don't think that doing like hot with uh with non-lethal would work very well but that, that's its own story um uh I think that, um, like, that, the game was never built on the idea that, like, you would be make like, that, you know, these choices that you make as you play through the game in terms of stealth versus, versus, and lethal versus non-lethal would have this huge bearing on how the game plays out. And I think that that's right. why it's not as much of a problem. Um, I think that people had expected less of, like, that kind of binary choice at the end. I think, I think even if, like, you had the same ending in Mass Effect, and, like, so, correct me if this isn't accurate, because, again, I haven't played the, I haven't played the ending of Mass Effect, but if it really is a button like that, I feel like people would be, have been less upset if you're, if it just picked one of those three endings based on the choices you had made in the games, and hadn't let you made the choice, because it would have been, like, in some ways a culmination of your choice, um, and, you know, people would have bitched about there being too few, but that, that would have always been the case. Um, I... Well, <clears throat> man. Uh, right, like, I think part of the thing that makes, say, um, Undertale, Undertale's three endings so satisfying is that, like, they are a culmination of everything you've done up until that point, even though two of them are very, very extreme, and you're almost certainly going to hit the middle one kind of on your first playthrough the fact that like like your choices to get to that point do ultimately matter um i i think paints the game like like ma makes the those choices feel better um and yeah that's a pain in the ass if you know you're if you make the wrong choice once or whatever um quote unquote um i think this is also like we could get into a whole other thing and maybe we will in a couple of minutes I'll, I'll give you a chance to respond but i think that like having quote unquote good endings is is a is a bad it's not a great thing you know yeah i so i get that but i also kind of think that that's that's a part part of what's wrong with that is the expectation of the player right um i think somebody walking into a mass effect and expecting kind of a quote unquote perfect ending look even if you do everything 
right, quote unquote. I don't think that there is such thing as a perfect playthrough uh, because you can do that. First of all, you can accomplish that in a couple of different ways. I can go full Paragon. I can go full Renegade. I can also mix and match. Uh, you, the game has a tolerance for that, if not an amazing one, um, to make that work. And so, you know, I think to a certain extent, it's about just kind of accepting, uh, for, you know, to use your example, right? Accepting that maybe I can't take the the exact answer I want out of the Morin scenario, but that that's okay, right? That that's not the end of the world. Sure, um, and and, and, thing, I, right? and I don't. And so, sorry. I, and by the way, I also think that I also think that games typically do a poor job of communicating this. Um, a lot of the time, uh, it, it, I also think this is part of like the that ending montage stuff. A lot of the time, I feel like that stuff is, uh, they, like the game is like admonishing you for not doing it right, and I hate that. Um, I think part of that is because some of these choices can be poorly constructed. I think that in a microcosm, there are definitely plenty that deserve, you know, like, or, sorry, on a micro level, right, there are definitely many that deserve kind of some more scrutiny or some more criticism, uh, especially in the older, you know, by Mass Effect 3, they had basically solved this because they just have a one solid reputation bar that every time you make a choice, you add reputation, right? Um, so no matter what your renegade or paragon is, your it is always essentially they just put put both of those bars into one, and that you choose between renegade and paragon at will, right? And if you had a, a like a good amount of reputation, which is basically just like if you are attentive and paying attention to side quests and doing that kind of stuff, rather than just ignoring everything else, that's when you can unlock some of the best options, which I think works. That yeah, this is in Mass Effect Three. This is 2012 right 2007 um i think we're living in a little bit of a different time before we had like quite got there um and so yeah it sucks that i can't talk rex down maybe right and i have to kind of kill him or whatever um uh, but like bioshock is a pretty good example of this to uh to my uh uh to my eyes where the point of that game well so the point of that game yeah i actually think bioshock won uh, the original Bioshock, which came out in 2007, also um, is uh, that, you know, when you sometimes when you think you have choices, you don't, right? They don't matter. It is all bullshit kind of thing. Um, and uh, and in that in that game gets it across in a, in a couple of different ways and does some really cool and interesting things uh, that I don't quite want to talk about because I think that would kill too much time. Um, but, like, I think that's a good version. That's a good version of the principle I'm talking about, right? Where, yeah, there's a super, you know, there's, like, a good ending in Bioshock, but the choices that you make in order to move through the game right me playing a trap based guy who aggro's who uses enrage on big daddies to clear out rooms right and aggro down all of these all of these bad guys before i kill the big daddy and get whatever the juice whatever is from the big sister or from the little sister whether or not i let the little sister go or i kill the little sister doesn't really matter in the context of all of the cool and interesting and dynamic choices I made in the minute-to-minute -minute gameplay of what plasmids do I have equipped? How am I upgrading my weapons, right? That All of that kind of stuff. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, and then, and so in the context of, in the context of Undertale, right, um, I think that, you know, you can do that kind of thing satis you know, in a satisfying way, 
right? But the exact same thing happened in, you know, the exact same thing happens in Bioshock. But, you know, whether or not the game ends with me killing some of the little sisters, being completely evil, killing all of them, being completely good and saving all of them and getting that ending in the hospital bed or whatever, maybe that hospital bed one makes me feel a little bit better, but it doesn't kind of override the, like, the, how good it felt for me to choose the way that I progress through the game. Um, which I think is what makes Bioshock 1, you know, this isn't something that I thought was repeated in Bioshock Infinite, for instance, um, even though I also think that that game is, on the whole, pretty good. Yeah, so, uh, so sorry, I didn't mean to apply the, the kind of bad ending thing to to Mass Effect in particular. Um, that was just kind of like a, 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 another point to hit on. I think I think I, I, I definitely agree with you, and I, I think that um, something that, that really bothers me is like, when there's, like, see, I'm kind of two-minded about this because I appreciate when there's, like, a secret hidden ending that, like, requires a lot more effort and kind of, like, cleverness to get to, like, um, uh, like say, like, Dark Souls has. But then there's this other side where it's, like, if, like, if I have to do everything perfectly to get the quote-unquote right ending, like, I think that that's not... I, 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 I hate that. Like, I, I don't like, you know, like, as you put it, the game admonishing you, right? Like, yeah, no, I'm with you a thousand like, percent. Like, one of the things I loved about Dark Souls 3 is there are, um, I think, four endings. And each of those endings are, none of them is a quote-unquote good ending. Um, one of them might be a quote-unquote truer ending than another. But none of them are good and they all kind of, like, work with each other. And like you could, you can get any of the endings, even though some of them are easier or harder to get, um, and still have a a a a a full experience. But I feel like some games want you to like, like there's an ending that you're supposed to get, and the other ones are like you screw. Like the 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 one that keeps coming to mind is um I think it's Shin Megami Tensei, um a game I have not finished but is kind of um legendary for this is that. There's kind of like a law and order kind of bar, um, uh, or kind of like measurement. It's invisible, but like, okay. Um, the only way you get the 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 good ending is by having it hit exactly the middle. Um, is having it hit zero, and the last decision of the game is a is one that swings it relatively hard. So you have to be kind of in one direction so you can swing it back in the right direction to uh to hit the middle. Um. And that feels like just completely and totally bullshit to me, right? Especially for a game that, for, for a longer game that like, you know, you can't hit the right thing by being a, like, a completely reasonable person or whatever. Like you have to like, and, and even, and you know, and like that, the fact that there is like a right ending is like, I don't know, it, 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 it I hate when like one of the endings is like, uh, you know, essentially an, an apocalypse or like, you know, uh, uh, an apocalypse not by your hand, right? Like there, there are plenty of endings mm -hmm. where like you end the world and that's where you want to do. And I think that that's fine as an ending. But like, you know, like you lead to the, to the doubt, you lead to something that you don't want to happen. But there's an ending where the things that you do want to happen happen. And that's, that's solely because you made the right or wrong decisions. And, and th those bother me a lot. And I don't think that that's, that's the basis for, for a great choice system yeah i mean yeah so i i agree uh and and to its credit i think wow does a pretty good job uh at at this sort of thing or not wow geez what am i talking I about i was gonna say mass yeah. effect i 
Well, I, well, just great because you don't have to choose yep, anything. I really have. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Mass Effect. <laughs> uh, uh, um, because I think that it does a good job of always kind of advocating for the player whenever you know what it tells you right in your recap of uh, uh, you know like what happened in Mass Effect One in Mass Effect Two. Right, like when it talks about you killing Rex, it doesn't say, Yeah, and you were a complete piece of shit failure because you couldn't pass, you know, the persuasion check effectively in order to keep Rex on your team so you had to shoot him. Right? It says, You know, unfortunately, you know, Rex saw what you know, Rex saw a future for his people, and you couldn't let that happen. And you know, and it is like it explains it back to you in a way that's like, We get it. We know why you made that decision and it was, you know, and it was like, maybe not right. Like, it's not really passing judgment, but it's like valid kind of thing. And I really appreciate that. Um, it does this in a lot of other ways uh, in kind of smaller, more nuanced, you know, like there's a version where it's like, oh, uh, well, whatever. I'm not going to get into the specifics. But my point is that I think that that's one of the things that gets me about certain other games where they do kind of get on your case. I think Fallout is kind of the best example. Um Fallout 3 specifically, Fallout New Vegas is much better at this, but that's because Fallout New Vegas is a test of kind of like your politics more than anything else, so uh, it, it's, it kind of can't afford to be judgmental. Um, but, you know, Fallout 3 will just like get on your case for, you know, let's say you took that one quest to return you know, this guy to slavery because that guy's a huge asshole to you or whatever. And so you put, you sell him back to slavery because you need the fucking caps and he's a huge piece of shit and you need those caps in order to, you know, uh, do, do some other quest that requires, you know, do some good quest that requires caps, right? I can frame that in a way that's, you know, I can frame that in a way that makes moral sense to myself, right? I can quote unquote justify that, um... But the game never does that, right? The game just, like, shits on you for, you know, engaging in slavery. And, you know, this is an extreme example. To a certain extent, they're right. Slavery is fucking horrible. Um, but there are definitely, more, like, or, uh, reasons that you I'm going to have to disagree come... with you there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Um, um, and, and, so, and so I can get... Uh, and so I can get behind that, I guess, uh, to a certain extent. I also think that, um, you know, it's almost... In, in a lot of these, if you want to be judgmental, you kind of have to decouple these choices from mechanics uh, in a lot of ways. I think, for instance, that, um, you know, I think Deus Ex Human Revolution does this um, pretty well. Not amazingly well, but pretty well. And I really appreciate that about, you know, I really appreciate that about the game. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I mean, I don't think, I, I don't even think that, like, you need to, like... Like, I don't think it's a problem if, like, one set of choices gives you one side quest, which gives you one run reward, and one gives you another. Like, I think that's all, I think that's all fine. Um, I just think, like, 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 again, Mass Effect and Fallout 3 were, like, Mass Effect, the early Mass Effects with, like, um, uh, with, with Paragon Renegade and uh, Fallout 3 with, with Karma just don't, like, it, it just, it, it's, uh, I just think it straight up doesn't work. Well, to pivot here a little bit, I think that's one of the unique advantages of having, um, uh, of playing tabletop games. Uh, this is something, I mean, I've engaged in this a lot in Hell's Rebels. You guys are literally, you know, 22 minutes from now, 
um, ish, give or take, uh, are going to be facing down another version of this. But this is my favorite thing to do in tabletop games, where I give you a set of choices and say, you know, because I, I know how choices play out or whatever, but I can give you a set of choices and I can ask you how you want to move forward, right? Um, I think the investigation that happened a couple weeks ago is a good example of this. Uh, just like in a mini, mini micro sense, you can choose how much time, you know, how much time you want to put into it. You have a good sense of the consequences, right? By the way, uh, I don't, uh, do I want to say this? I don't mind saying that, um, do I want to say this? Fuck it. I don't mind saying actually that you could have spent the whole eight hours and done a full investigation and nothing would have, you know, like nothing would have happened. Right. Um, and maybe that kind of sucks in a, in the context of like, Oh, shucks. I could have gotten a little bit more information, but the danger, that unknown factor, the danger that that could happen is real, right? Because there are plenty of times in other versions of these kinds of small choices that you guys have made where if you don't move forward, right? Like if you don't, you, you have to make that choice based on imperfect information. And so erring on the side of caution works, right? The same thing happened um, when it came to, you know, the way that you guys handled these, uh, 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 the, the way that you guys handled um, all of, everyone with all of these stacks of boiling blood, right? Um, Arahe and the, the other, um, uh, the other, uh, wait, what are they called? Way Watchers. Way Watchers. Um, you know, they have all these stacks of boiling blood. And so, you know, you, it was, it, it was an unknown and you had to kind of make a best guess and that pays off for you, right? Because if you had kind of done the same thing where you take the expedient route out, um, or you take, uh, kind of as Alaric was putting it, uh, like the, the, um, you know, the, I'm not going to use my, my resource, like I'm not going to use my tangible resources on this kind of story reason, right? Well, that's how you that's how you get yourself fighting beastmen in the middle of the night, kind of thing, right? Um, and I think having a balance of those kinds of things is what uh, is what tabletop allows you to be very good at, um, and uh, and offering those choices and saying, listen, you can do X, you can do Y, you can do Z. There are good and bad reasons to engage in all of them, and there are widely differing consequences for if you choose one route over another uh yeah no I, I, absolutely and actually funnily enough this is kind of it i this is exactly what i wanted to bring up before but couldn't remember um is is like a part of the thing that kind of like like this, for tabletop games you never get to like peek behind the screen right like you like you know yeah for publisher adventure pass you can go read about like what 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 was written but like you know i don't think any gm ever sticks totally to that um i think part of the problem with choices in video games ultimately is the fact that you can go look up a guide right if you never know that like there's an optimal choice otherwise right like you if you never know that like doing this one thing will unlock this side quest then you never feel bad about having quote unquote made the wrong choice but in um but because you can go look that up, it makes it feel like it kind of like neuters the ability to make a lot of choices because there's a set of things that you can be expected to go do if you want to like, there is a, a quote unquote optimal way to play the game. And I, I think this is one of the strengths of tabletop games is like, even like your choices don't have to matter until they do. If that makes sense from like a, yeah. a storytelling perspective, like, um, 
it just kind of brings to mind the, the idea of, of uh, the, the Schrodinger's the Schrodinger's gun, um, which is a variant of the Chekhov's gun. Chekhov's gun is says Chekhov said that if there's a gun on the mantle, it has to be fired by the third act. To, to paraphrase, um, the Schrodinger's gun is is a thing that happens in in RPGs. It's like um, if there's a gun on the mantle, it's not important unless the players think it's important. Then you can turn it into whatever you want because they think it's important. Um, yep. And I think that that like those kind of choices allow the story to be built out a lot more organically. And I think that that's kind of this is one of the the biggest advantages straight up that that tabletop games have over video games is the multitude of choice and the and like uh, it's gonna sound weird, but like choice in tabletop games is analog, whereas in or continuous. Whereas in uh, in in video games, by like the the necessity of the technology, they are very discreet and digital. Like you have to you have to choose one of four options. Whereas in in a tabletop game, there's a theoretic set of infinite infinite options. Yeah, in practice, you end up using one of say three more often than not, or slight variations on them. Um, but you, you you do have the power to kind of be like, well, I want to try this option, or I want to I I want to you know. Instead of you know going to face them head on, I want to you know I, I want to go ask the king for like a, a, a band of soldiers to help us or something like right, that. Right, yeah, yeah, and I and so obviously I agree. Uh, given you know, the context of the kinds of games that I run, I mean, obviously you know there are some stuff that's like scripted, right? There's kind of no version of Hell's Rebels where. Um, you know, the, like, for instance, there's no version of Hell's Rebels where, like, Tonric becomes a boss that you guys fight at the end, right? I mean, you can, but, like, but there's also choices in that, right? Like, it's a real thing that you can use that scroll of resur of true resurrection um, to try and resurrect Gondor, right? And I think that in a different set, you know, in a different context with different characters, right, um, that's that's a choice that, 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 uh, you know, that's a choice that you guys can, like, kind of make. And that could really throw... I mean, obviously, I have built with an assumption, because I think 9 out of 10 of these games are going to, right? Like, if we were to replay this game 10 different times, I think maybe one group would actually burn the Scroll of True Resurrection on Gondor. Um, but, you know, like... I, th I, I think that that kind of stuff is something that is what allows tabletops to be, like, super, super hyper-flexible, um, which is good in the context of I need to be able to make my, you know, I need to be able to, you know, make choices, you know, uh, rewarding. I, my, my favorite choices that come down to, um, you know, these RPGs, uh, especially in the context of Hell's Rebels, are about doing what is right versus doing what is effective. Um, and this is something that you're going to see more of. Uh, though I don't think that's huh. too much of a spoiler. I, or great, like, you know. It's not like this has been a running theme of conversations between characters in Hell's Rebels. Yeah, right. But like, you know, so that, but like that, that, like that's a real thing. And there are some times where I'm sure that it's really going to kind of test the parting, the party's kind of philosophies and principles to the breaking point. Right. Um, you know, are you willing to accept, you know, the, the, you know, like a Faustian bargain of, this great magnitude in order to accomplish the goal that you need to. Um, and to a certain extent, I think that there are plenty of characters that will. I think there are plenty of characters that won't. Um, I think that characters will kind of change from point A to point B, right? But, um, you know, 
having 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 to putting putting a couple of choices in front of characters and making them make a hard call between them is probably one of the most rewarding things that I think you can do uh, from like a story perspective in uh, in a D and D game. Yeah, ab- absolutely, and and like this is kind of like why why ultimately if if I have the time I do like I, I do prefer kind of writing uh, or running running my my own kind of campaigns of my own design because I think it's actually kind of um, a fault of adventure paths is like they kind of expect you to to go down this um they to go down a predetermined path and like if the players ever get really off track you're kind of like lost in the woods as to what to do then you really kind of flying by the seat of your own pants um and I think that's like what one of the one of the better things about say like uh, about like your own generated setting right like um, right. If you spend the time, you can build enough content to kind of, like, accommodate a party that does kind of whatever. Um, and, I, and, you know, obviously there's some tricks uh, that you that you can use, you know, like, if the, there's a fork in the road, you go left or right party, and the same person's at the end of either fork, but the party never has to know that. Like, which is obviously a very, very simple example. But, like, um, I, I think, that like, the, 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 the power of kind of, like, an, an unstructured narrative lets you empower players with 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 a lot of ways to do things in the way that they want to it feels good for their characters and good for the story as opposed to um like as is a necessity in video games things that have to like kind of tie in mechanically because you can't you can't rewrite that story on the fly um at least not yet maybe maybe we'll get there one way one day with like machine learning and and, and natural language processing but uh, we're we're definitely yeah. nowhere there nowhere there yet. Yeah, no, I, I I'm I'm with you 100. Uh, percent I think. Uh, so I think that it makes sense in certain situations. Um, a game, yeah, okay. So for instance, in uh in like this hypothetical, I've talked about this a couple of times in this hypothetical game which is, like, a heavily rewritten Serpent Skull to be, like, a horror game. That's a game, to me, where I think there isn't a lot of player choice, right? right. And it is, you know, it you you follow the, you know, you follow the kind of predetermined path. Um, but I think that, first of all, I think that's part of it. Part of, you know, horror is that, you know... The denial cannot, of choice. The, yeah, right, denying the choice, right? You have to do whatever this terrible, you know, fright... You, you have to go down... Um, into the cannibal, you know, into the into the cannibal's cave or whatever it is, right? Um, all that kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, on the flip side, Hell's Rebels is a lot about testing people's, um, uh, you know, or like characters more than people, right? I don't really think that, you know, I don't, I'm not, I don't judge Mark based on the morality of, uh, of uh, Hunter. the bloody Quill or Royal. Uh, yeah, of Hunter. Um, but like, you know, assessing people's character, you know, like, you, 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 you need to make a character and he needs to have kind of a plan and he needs to have a, a, a philosophy and a way of thinking and a way of life. Um, and so these choices are built to kind of challenge that and test that. Um, and kind of when, when, uh, when that kind of stuff works right, I think it works really right. Like I think it's 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 like it's it works like gangbusters, and it is the only you cannot recreate that in basically any other medium. Yeah, yeah. Like there, there's there, there's there's nothing else that kind of like lets you uh lets you kind of like it, it's a collaborative storytelling event, right? Which is 
which is great in a lot of ways. A collaborative storytelling event uh, moderated by rules, which which is 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 kind of, is kind of like it's the kind of the thing that keeps us coming back to it, right? Like I, I'm sure, right. um, you know that that's why video games haven't totally replaced tabletops. Um, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I think that's fair, uh, and I think that's uh, I don't know true um i also think um see i also think that this can be a little bit of a trap oh hmm. uh in certain situations just purely from the perspective of like um this kind of thing also does the negative thing of like you know it lets players derail right this is how you get the kingdom of cock Right. right or being born from vagina town um yes. uh, or letting people uh you know like letting it, 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 it can get things kind of off the rail i mean even if you have good intentions right things can go off the rail because uh, accounting for kind of all the different choices that take place um is something that can really uh it, it can cause you know if you're trying to account for everything and plan ahead enough it can just burn you out because you're trying to fit everything together um in your head and there's so much kind of like wasted time put into creating you know creating an understanding of these choices that never gets uh you know that never gets realized and i think that can be a frustrating thing um for gm right like um, you, you can you can make a thousand branches but if you only ever see one it's gonna feel like the 999 others are wasted yeah uh, though, and I recommend this for everybody. Um, for instance, I I avoid this problem by you know having a large kind of uh, like you know like a basic outline web, and so I get, I know how stuff can unfold if it kind of goes down that way. But I don't put any work into it until the PCs effectively like commit to that path, um, which I think is kind of the right way to do it because. Otherwise, you're in a tougher. You're otherwise you're just in a you, you're in a tough spot, I think, um, and you get kind of all this pressure to uh, to uh, put time into something that's not going to end up, you know, mattering, mattering, right? And that sucks. Um, uh, and I mean, you know, and maybe and maybe this is because of my particular mindset that I'm better at dealing with this, I guess. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, you know, it just, it, it, it can, it can really suck. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a tough, it's, it's a tough thing to deal with. Um, I actually kind of want to try at some point, um, a game where like almost everything's like kind of flown by the seat of the pants and see how, how well, how well it goes with that. Um, maybe not like no preparation, but like little enough that like, because, you know, I, I think at some level there there's also kind of this uh, general agreement between players and GMs that, like, you know, you're not going to try and go completely off the rails, right? Like, you know, it's not like the, like, us and Hell's Rebels are going to steal a ship and get on it and go and go sail the shackles, right? We are, right. The, like, you know, the kind of the cooperative understanding is that we are going to resolve the issues in Kentargo um, at, at a very basic level. Um and I think that, like, kind of, like, freeing even that assumption up a little bit would be an interesting experiment. I think you'd kind of run the risk of not having the kind of engaging storytelling that you want out of a typical uh, D&D adventure like that, that you'll, that you'll uh, end up... 
like kind of having these relatively shallow experiences, at least for a while. I think you can build that to something bigger later or kind of have it be like a, a, a thing, but you can't have these kind of like strong, um, you know, moment to moment narratives. I think you have a lot of, a lot of kind of like adventures and dungeon crawls that kind of eventually circle their way into like a theme and get you somewhere. You know, I do have to say that I think that you can definitely make it work. Um, if I were to ever do a Skulls and Shackles campaign, for instance, I think it would work a lot like that. Um, and I think that you can make it work without too much trouble if you are good about your bookkeeping, if that makes sense. Right. Um, this is one of those things where it's like, you I, I you know, I, I think in Hell's Rebels, uh, I juggle small numbers of choices because they have a very cascading effect. And I do want to keep track of that effect, at least kind of in a short-term scenario. Um, but... Uh, in a game like Skull and Shackles, where you just kind of get a ship and go, I think that it's totally cool and possible um, to kind of give the players seven different leads, ten different leads, twenty different leads. Who cares, right? You know, you give them you give them a bunch of leads, and you kind of go with them down that path in a very uh, in like a super light, super improv manner. Um, but I think as you get kind of 10, 15, 20 sessions into that game, you have to start uh, reincorporating bits of the narrative that you've already set upon, um, or else you just kind of spiral out into the void and nobody is linked to kind of anything, and that's bad. Um, you can also do this, I think, with the right kinds of players, uh, right? Like, like players who understand that you are giving them a very, very blank canvas to work on, but with the kind of expectation that you want to create a conventional story out of it. These are the kinds of players that are going to say, you know what? I'm going to take this one, you know, this one out of 20 story thread, right? But at the end of that thread, I'm going to invest some of myself kind of in the aftermath of it, right? Like maybe, you know, okay, we did this thing. We cleared out these bandits in this like seafaring village town. And now for the rest of the campaign, whenever we need to drop, you know, like that, that place serves as our home base, right? Or I go out of my way, you know, to head back to this place that we've been to, to check up on the orphans that we saved. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I think if, if your players are game for that kind of thing, you can definitely make it work in that in that kind of context as well. But I think, kind of rarely, are, um, uh, are, are players into that thing. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think it's also kind of like a difficult thing to kind of handle as a player. Um, especially in, in like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm gonna, I, I don't like saying it like this, but like, I, I think it's harder to do in an online game, especially with kind of like irregular meeting times. I think to make that really work, you need like, um, like a dedicated time every week where people meet and ideally in person, I think for that as well, where, where, you know, everybody kind of like sits together and like, you know. Every Saturday, it's you know every every Saturday is you know the new episode of Game of Thrones type of thing you know you know that we know where the story left off and like where where is it going to go next type of deal um what was the investment coming from kind of the personal investment in the characters um and you can't let too much time go in between that or else I think you you lose you lose context and you lose focus oh you know what I so I actually kind of disagree with that I disagree with this in a couple of different ways okay um, I have found it much easier because just because the efficiency of of the prep that you can do online um 
it it makes it. I think if I had to prep Hell's Rebels every week for an in-game in paper, like on paper session, I would have a much harder time doing it. Um, just because the tools that you get by running through roll 20 are so effective at um, uh, compartmentalizing and, and you know this might just be an idiosyncratic me thing um, where it's easier for me to prep on roll 20 than it is in real in like in real life but compared to prepping for real life sessions I have had a much 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 easier time prepping on roll 20 um, just because it as you know, Maybe maybe in a version of a game where I use Roll Twenty in order to prep every week, but I play, but I use kind of my laptop as like a GM screen, and I play from it. It's not like everybody else logs into the game or anything like that, right? Uh, but I just kind of use that as like an organizational tool. Uh, See that, that you know maybe that kind of works for me. I don't know. I, I that, that's I, really it is interesting. So much more efficient for me to prepare. I, I feel like it is in game I or in character. I feel person. like this is really like a, a player side of the screen versus or player versus GM thing, because I definitely believe that it's easier to, to to prep and get ready in roll twenty. But the thing I'm talking about is kind of like player investment. I think it's much easier to get distracted as a player online. Oh, oh, sure, sure, sure. You know, to be honest, I actually think if I were to do a heavy, heavy improv kind of game like that, I think the best way to do it would be, uh, you know, uh, like in seasons, if that makes sense. Um, where, you know, we meet up and we go through, um, uh, you know, and, and we, we meet up and we play through a couple of sessions, right? Uh, kind of play to like a, you know, like a book's conclusion or like a mini arc kind of conclusion, uh, which gives me enough time to kind of maybe like build out, um, you know, like kind of like start over from scratch again uh, between quote unquote seasons, right? So, you know, you play for three months straight and then you take three months off and then you come back in. Oh, okay. Uh, if, if that makes sense. Because I think to a certain extent, right, because, you know, when, when you're doing a heavy improv game like that, it's not like the improv happens every day. Right, right. right. A lot of the time, it's just, you know, front-loaded. You, you have all these different leads, all these different choices, but then you kind of follow them to to a conclusion of sorts. And then when the game kind of resets back to that hardcore choice, it's kind of like you're preparing a, a, a campaign from scratch again, um, which I think might require the extra time. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, that makes a lot of sense, actually. I, I, I get that. I think I think that would actually be a really neat thing to, 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 to try. Um, yeah, I mean, me too. Um, I think that that stuff would... Uh, uh, I think that, that that stuff would work really well uh, for, like, the right kind of players. Um, like, like, and, you know, I've said that. I've said that a couple of times. But I mean, like, really, really well. Like, I think it would be... It would be, like, the perfect kind of thing for, um, you know, players who are naturally pretty flaky and the kind of commitment of every, you know, every week, every Wednesday we're playing for the next year and a half, right? That's a daunting thing yeah. for... it, But, like, to, you know, to get me to sign up for something like that for three months, you know, I'm down, right? Um, and it gives... Uh, and, and I think that that... I think that that uh, works. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think if I think if you can act like if you can get, like, I don't even want to call the people flaky, but like, there's kind of like you know it, it, this is a leisure activity ultimately, right? Yeah. Um, and I think if I think this would work best for the people that they can give you the kind of like I am willing to sacrifice everything else to play this game. Like this is going to be my primary thing to focus on, right? Like my my like you know for other people, what is their like choir or maybe their bowling league or like the you know it's still a leisure activity, but a thing that they dedicate themselves to. I think right. th this type of thing is is the is the ideal case for that. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think. But I guess that's our running time. Yeah. 
Um, I don't. Th I think we've covered this fairly thoroughly, both for video games and for tabletop games. Um, if you would like to tell us your opinions on choice and video game endings and tabletop games and whatever else you feel like telling us, about, you can email us at, at someDerpsPlayGames at gmail.com. You can watch us play tabletop games live at twitch.tv slash SomeDerpsPlayGames. We have recordings of them on YouTube. We were both on Twitter um, where this podcast is on SoundCloud. Comment there. Um, you know, like, rate, whatever. Let us know. Um, uh, did you want to pip anything, buddy? Uh, the one thing I did, I do actually want to pimp something this week. Ooh. The one thing I do want to pimp this week is uh, our sister, friend of the cast, cast. Uh, the Unwise Index put out a new episode, even though they put out episodes fairly irregularly because they're not as good as us. But uh, they put out a new episode where they talk pretty in depth about um, uh, about games, uh, specifically about No Man's Sky. They throw some some shade at Mango, which I'm always a big fan of. Yeah. Uh, so uh, as as if you if you want, we 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 were pretty down on No Man's Sky a couple of weeks ago. If you want to hear somebody kind of uh, advocate for No Man's Sky, um, Monik does a convincing job of that i i think his argument is compelling i buy it to a certain extent um and uh uh i think uh uh you know i think that the, you should uh take a take a take a listen uh they are at the unwise index on soundcloud and itunes well, i'll provide a link in the description for everyone um but uh i think that's all then uh yeah i think we're good until next time dear listeners until next time loyal listeners